The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Collecting. We got a cup of coffee in here, please. We can collect Coffee and hot. Good morning, people of Earth. Or if you're on another planet, I guess good morning to you as well. Today is Tuesday, excuse me, Tuesday, December 27th, uh, 2022. Um, gee, there's a lot to say and I don't want to talk about any of it. It's been a long December. But there's no reason to believe that maybe next year will be better than the last. Um, and I, I'm not so sure what it's all about. This whole big deal about New Year's. A new year feels like the same old year. Just a continuation. We need some way to just say, to fool ourselves into thinking, well, this is a fresh start. It's not a fresh start. It's the same life you had the day before. You're just calling it something different. I don't know. I've always been uh, just not on board with the whole let's all agree that it's a new year. It's the same year. It's the same dreadful, dreary, (laughs) terrible existence that we've been. For me, it's been 63 times around the sun, 63 and a half times around the sun. However many times you've done it, It's still one long, I'm not happy. And I've been posting stuff from my friend Mo Gordat, who is a happiness guy. And he says, if you don't make happiness your priority, you're toast. And I agree with him. So I have to make happiness my priority. And I know the reasons I'm not happy right now, in this moment, for the last month or so two months i i got myself into something i did i was really working hard at not getting into i did not want any part of responsibility i'm supposed to be this i should be playing shuffleboard in florida that's what i should be doing at my age instead i'm trying to help people save their company who really don't seem to hear the message very much. So um, I need to get back to making happiness my my priority. And um, I know how to do that. It's not, some things are, are more simple, uh, easier said than done. That's not, I mean, really what, what holds you back. And for, for me, you know, basically wanting to be helpful to others. But at some point, it becomes toxic to you. You have to let go and say, I can't help you. I can't save you. I can't give up my happiness to ensure your happiness. How has this last year been for you? How has 2022 been for you? And without comparing it to, I don't know, 2020, which was a really bad year, or I don't know, you can just go, if you want to pick that, if you want to go down that road and just pick years and say, well, that was a good year, this was a good year, how's 2022 been for you? And how do you envision 2023 being any different? These are the questions you have to ask yourself. Now, I'm a little upset because <laughs> last night on Facebook, I said I have an intention, I plan on losing, what did I say? I think I said at least 30 pounds by Memorial Day weekend. And then I said, I tipped the scales now at 295 pounds. And nobody who knows me questioned that. I'm not 295 pounds. I'm not close to 295 pounds. I'm 242 pounds 
<laughs> but people who know me didn't question that for a second. Um, people wanted to support me, and but one person who seems to be a comedian, I guess, who a uh, friend requested me, I don't know this person at all, wanted to pick a fight with me over me saying that. If you have weight loss gains uh, goals, you should keep them to yourself. First, he asked how tall I was at 295 pounds, and I said four foot eight. Some people laughed at that, but nobody said, hey, dog, you're not 295 pounds. You can't be 295. Nobody said that, which is discouraging for me. <laughs> I'm not 295 pounds. Not that there's anything wrong with it. If you want to be 295 pounds. Um, and, yeah, I'm not. Uh, good morning, people in the chat room here. Just Kevin and William so far. Uh, I, I would not expect people who've only seen me in the box, this box, to know that I'm not 295 pounds, but I'm talking about the people, most of the people on the face on Facebook know me, come to my gigs, see me in person. They should know I'm not 295 pounds. Not that there's anything wrong with it, <laughs> but I'm not 295. It was being ridiculous. What I was doing was setting myself up for a win because by Memorial Day, I promise you, I will be 30 pounds lighter than 295 pounds, which that gives me room to gain 20, about 23, 24 pounds or something. Anyway, one guy wanted to pick a fight with me over it, and I wasn't having any of it, but he, uh, and I, I deleted his comments, but he, like, what business of it, why does it upset you then I posted a weight gain goal, a weight loss goal on Facebook. And why did, why did you feel, why would somebody feel emotional enough to pick a fight with a complete stranger over that? Uh, <laughs> Kevin says, I, I was literally thinking, damn, dude, way fatter than I thought, I su but I'll support his weight loss journey. Well, Thank you for thinking, because <laughs> I'm not too nice. Again, nothing wrong with it. Um, but there it is. So I do want to actually lose. I want to get down to about 210 pounds. I would love to lose uh, 30 pounds and get back to, you know what? I fit into 34 waist jeans, uh, just got some for, for Christmas and fit into them nice. Uh, I think we'll be getting shorter. <laughs> Uh, cut back on the weed. That doesn't make you. That that won't make me lose weight, dude. I don't eat. I don't get munchies. I don't eat uh, when I smoke weed. I, when I smoke weed, I get active. That smoking weed actually makes me exercise. It, it makes me get up and be active and do things. So I think smoking less weed would probably make me fatter. Honestly. Um. Good morning, Mike. I haven't seen you in a while. Um. Uh, so there's that, you know, New Year's resolutions coming up. I don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I think New Year's resolutions, and this is part of the whole idea of it's just a date. I mean, there is no difference between January 1st and December 31st, really. It's the same year, just continued. Nothing feels different. And so people often make these New Year's resolutions, and the gym is packed in January uh, with full of people with good intentions about the new year. That's not why I want to, I want to lose weight because I might, and it's not looking promising. I might be back gigging on the beaches this summer, except for the fact that, um, most of the, the best gigs are already booked up. Believe it or not, all the good gigs, and we haven't done anything on our calendar. There's nothing on our calendar yet for, uh, 2023. But uh, the best gigs on Long Island are already completely booked up, all the beach gigs. Now, we'll probably slip in three or four. But I don't want to look like a big fat whale. <laughs> anyway, uh, so how was your year? Um, did you have a good year? How do you, how do you mark the success of a year? Um, you made more money this year? You're happier this year? You have more time? Uh, with the family, how do you measure success? For me, 
it is all about really just owning my own time, being able to do what I want to do with my time. And I gave that up to help somebody out foolishly. And now I feel like I'm tied to a ball and chain to do that for a long time. And very soon, not this week, but yeah, probably even as soon as today, I will have conversations about uh, this isn't going to work out, dude. I, I can't, I can't stay here and be a uh, savior to your company and take on all this responsibility. I'm supposed to be retired. I'm supposed to be playing shuffleboard in Florida or music on the beach or something like that. But whatever it is, I'm supposed to be doing what I want. I put in 45 years of hard work. Most Some people would deny uh, that any of it was hard work. Work. We'll just call it work. It doesn't have to be hard work. So I think I've earned the right to just be an old person, fade away, uh, have my time just tick away on my own clock and do whatever I want to do, uh, which includes smoking more weed. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> uh, what does Kevin say? If it were closer, I'd get, I'd get you hiking. No, nah, you know what? I do... Not not right now, not this time of year because it's too fucking cold. But I do go for very long walks. We have beaches and uh, cliffs and, and trails here. I'm not like you. I don't do, um, I don't know, long marathon hikes. But um, I probably put in five miles, six miles uh, on a, a good day hiking. Anyway. Uh, but no, I appreciate that. I would, I would definitely, uh, you know, that, that was kind of in my plans too, was to do a little, not big time traveling. I'm not going to like fly around the world, but I'd like to go back and see some places in America that, and see them up close, not just, you know, cause most of my life traveling, especially when traveling, uh, as part of entertainment or, uh, production. You don't really get to see the places you stop in. You know, you, you see them from hotel rooms. You go from hotel rooms to venues and things like that. You don't get to really see Oklahoma. I've, I've been to Oklahoma. I've stayed in Oklahoma. I don't know shit about Oklahoma. I've never actually gotten out into Oklahoma. I've gone from like uh, the Hyatt to, <laughs> to a venue. And you could say that of most states in the United States. Going to talk a little bit of politics here, so get ready. It's not. We got this guy, George Santos, on Long Island. He's a congressman, a Republican congressman, who it came out and admitted that everything he said was a lie. Now, Democrats want him to resign before he even uh, gets sworn in, and I think he should. The problem is they want to just replace them with, they want to have a new re- election. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. The problem for, for them is New York has a Democratic governor. And so she appoints anybody, uh, it's going to be somebody, you know, because that's the way it should work. And we've seen that, you know, we've seen situations like that with Blagorovich, uh put, putting up congressional seats for, uh, in distance isn't within Illinois, uh, putting up congressional seats for bribery. I mean, you could buy them for sale uh, when that happens. But that's the way it's supposed to work. The governor is supposed to appoint somebody, should be bound to appoint somebody from the same party. So if this guy is a, a Republican, she should be bound to appoint the next Republican in line. That's not... I'm not sure that's the way it works here in New York. I think each state is different. But there, I, there's no way this guy can serve. He admitted that everything was made up, even to the fact, and I, I was the first one to say this, that when because he claimed to be gay, and he's not gay, he said that to win over some Democratic votes. And I, I pointed that out, and some people said that was absurd. I got some mail saying, you're, 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 that's a stretch. Nobody would do that. Well, it turns out he did that. He also said he was Jewish. He's not Jewish. 
and he claimed out and in his <laughs> in his concession of, of admitting that he was a, a complete liar, he comes out and says, "I never said I was Jewish. I said I was Jewish, kind of like a Jew, Jewish. I didn't say I was Jewish. I said I was Jewish. You, you see the difference? No." You lied. You're a fucking liar. You made up everything on your resume. So how could this guy actually serve in Congress? Because everything he does is going to be questioned. Every word he says is going to get people going to bring up, you're a fucking liar. Uh, it, it's it's mind-boggling to me. Um, what is Kevin say? 49 weeks out of the year, you can finish your workout directly, enter a shower. The first three weeks of January, you wait in line for a shower because the new year, new me, new year, new me. Oh, what are you talking about? The gym? I'm, I'm way past that. Uh, not gay, not Jewish, never married, didn't graduate Ivy League. No, he no, he, he didn't do any of that. He didn't work any. And appears to have um, been a call center work, a worker who... I don't know. He scammed one of his coworkers out of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Guy's got a. He's a professional lifelong con man. But the the. You know, and I've been saying this a lot lately. It's easy to point out problems, but who points out the solutions? And you got to be solution minded. What's the solution here? Have a new election? That. That's not going to fly. You know, the guy was duly elected. If he gets sworn in, he's going to be completely ineffective. Uh, he will probably be forced to vote just down, and he probably forced, probably an exaggeration, he probably wants to vote straight down party lines. And now uh, Kevin McCarthy wants him in there just for that. It's just another Republican vote. I think the solution is the governor should be bound to to. Uh, appoint somebody from from that side, from the Republican Party. I don't, I don't think that's the way it works here in New York. I don't know what the solution is, but I don't see two years of this guy. Um, how he can possibly uh, survive? Um, so there's all all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, so. There's other stuff in the news today that people are not going to want to deal with, talk about. Um, And it has to do with the the TFG, the former guy. Uh, Tax returns are set to be made public today. A lot of people will ignore that. He's saying that he encouraged his daughter and... um, Jared not to be part of his 2024 campaign um, because he did not want to cause them any uh, more bullshit with his, you know, the attacks on him and he's trying to spare them. Uh, But the missing link is also out now. The missing link in, it doesn't come from the Democrats. It comes from uh, Trump's logs himself. Uh, the link between the fake elector scheme, the fake elector scheme, and Trump himself no longer uh, missing. Trump not only participated in a fake elector scheme, he orchestrated it. So it's looking more and more every single day. And if you follow him on social media, his own true social, you've seen people sharing that stuff. He is losing his uh, whatever he had of a, a mind. He is panicking. He's lashing out at everybody, even his friends. He's throwing ketchup against the wall. He's just a nervous. Uh, and you, you can imagine a guy who's gotten away with everything in his whole life. Now scared that the he's finally going to be held accountable for something, and it's not looking good. 
a lot of conjecture, as I said, there would be about primarying. Now, Mike Pence, <laughs> Mike Pence filed to run for president in 2024. Even in a Republican primary, he won't get any votes other than him and his wife. Now, so he had to have, he had to consult with somebody, some Dan Quayle, his mentor, his rabbi. Uh, somebody must have said, I think you should run. And he filed for running for president. Does he not, does he not have any sense of what's going on? That people, even people in his own party, the people who wanted to hang him, <laughs> obviously, uh, aren't going to vote for him. The Trump loyalists are not going to get on the Mike Pence train ever. And even the moderates in, within the Republican Party would not want him. They want to win. And, and it, so even the most moderate Republicans, if they get off of Trump, they're going to be on DeSantis, not on <laughs> Pence. He actually thinks he has a chance. What goes through people's minds? It's it's like me actually believing I have a chance to be president. It really is. It's it's that absurd. Mike Pence believing he can he has a shot at being president is as absurd as Matt Napo thinking he could be president of the United States. It's just uh it's just not gonna happen. Uh so anyway, um that's where that's where we are. It's not gonna. It's not. It's as it said. Twenty twenty three. It's just an extension of twenty twenty two. It's just more of the same. Nothing changes. The date changes. What we call it changes, but it's an extension of the same life you've been living. Nothing is gonna uh, change on that front. All right. I'll get off of politics for for a bit here. Um, I have a shoot today. I have to get to, and it's a shoot in a coffee shop for an architect and a real estate uh i don't know if he's a broker a real real estate investor what you know a house flipper guy but doing a lot of this lately um shooting podcast television shows for the real estate industry and it's surprising to me First of all, because we've been through lots of, just in the last 10 years, 12 years, lots of supreme and extreme ups and downs within um, the real estate industry. We had the housing um, market bubble burst in 2008. We've had uh, some real interest uh, uh, rate increases that have changed the market from a buyer, uh, a, a seller's market to a buyer's market and back and forth a number of times. But the economy and the number of people that continue to make money in real estate and leave other jobs to get into real estate is astonishing. And somebody said to me when I was young, and I, oh man, I bought I bought 100 acres of land in New Mexico in 1979, and I sold it in 1982 and made like a couple of hundred dollars profit on it. But somebody told me then, hold on to it. Land is always, and real estate is always going to be the best investment you can make because they ain't making any more. And that's true. But now we're seeing... A most of it, and I wouldn't say most of the economy, a huge segment of the economy is is leaving traditional jobs in this is why a big part of why we, we're seeing a job shortage. Entrepreneurs smelling riches and and big money to be made in the real estate industry, no matter what go, what happens, whether it's up or down, the realtors and the architects and the expediters and all these people surrounding the real estate industry continue to make bank no matter if it goes. It's kind of like the stock market. Uh, all those people 
whether you win or lose, whether you're paying more or less for your home, they're making money. They, make, they continue to make money. And I'm getting an education in that. And one of the educations that I, I've gotten, is, and it's a little scary to me, because when you get to this age and you start thinking about moving to Florida and playing shuffleboard, most of America, homeowners, are underinsured. I mean, they don't have enough homeowners insurance. Or they've done home improvements and, and things to their house that have not been licensed. They've cut corners. And in order to really sell a house to a bank, now you, you, a lot of banks are loosey-goosey with the regulations. But generally, in order to get a certificate of occupancy when you sell a house, a legitimate certificate of occupancy, an inspection has to be done, and things have to have been done to code. You couldn't... And who among us has not hired a carpenter to come in to make a slight change here or there, or put up a gazebo, or uh, put in a pool... Or an offense that wasn't necessarily done, uh, wasn't inspected and, and had licensed and, and permits for the, the, you know, guy came over and said, yeah, sure, you got a fence. That's good enough. But when it comes to doing the survey, when you go to sell, all those things come up. And they do an inspection and, you know, all kinds of things will come up. And now you have, you can't sell your house. You're caught in limbo uh, because because you did things, you know, unfinished basements or partially finished basements, all those kind of things to change the value of the house that you did without kind of getting a permit because who needs all the extra money for permits and all that stuff. And it can definitely make the value of your house, put the value of your house at risk. And maybe when you're thinking of selling, you can't. You can't get the full value out of it anyway. So for uh, particularly for people of my age who are looking to retire or thinking about retiring and, you know, downsizing and thinking, well, this is a, a something I could definitely I don't need I don't need a big house. It's just going to be uh um me and my wife. Why don't we move to a retirement in a community? sell the big uh, house and use that cash to fund some of our retirement. Uh, not so easy. So a lot of people, and this is it, the roost, uh, the, uh, what did they say? Uh, chickens are coming home to roost. Um, a lot of people in America, a lot, a lot of people find themselves underinsured and uh, have probably done some work to their house that they did not get licenses and permits for. And all that decreases the value of your house. And God forbid the tree falls on your house and, and, and you find out it's not covered. This has happened to me in my life. Not a tree fell on my house. The trees fall on this house all the fucking time. But I lost a house because I lived in an area that you could not get flood insurance for. I had homeowner's insurance and we got a flood. And when I went to cash it in, he uh, found out, oh, there's a little piece of uh, um, one line of text in here that says, uh, case of flood, fuck you. Lost the house. And there was the um, 92 storm. We had a, um, a flood on the South Shore. A lot of people in, in, in town I lived in on the South Shore lost homes. And most of us could not. It's not like we weren't paying enough. We could not get flood insurance because of the area we're in. Lots of um, lots of kind of um, situations like that going to be happening in, in the near future because so so many people are under, underinsured. Uh, looking at the statistics of how many people are underinsured, it's really uh, Kevin says twenty twenty two was awesome for me. Health wise, Kev. That's that I'm interested. Uh, I find it curious that you would say that because knowing that you've been going through some painful stuff and treatments 
doesn't sound like it was awesome, but maybe you're measuring it in a different way. Maybe health isn't the most important thing. I don't know. What do you mean money-wise? What do you mean job-wise? And uh, again, that would be surprising to me because every time I hear you talk about your work, it feels like you're saying the place is understaffed and people are expecting uh, you to do the job of 10 people. I find that interesting that you say to maybe I'm being sarcastic and I'm just not picking up on it. Um, so that's where we are today. I got nothing else to really talk about. I could talk about lots of stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's better. Got all the burns over with the burns, nerve burning. (laughs) That sounds like a, uh, a a horrible thing to go through so i could see why uh, but so you're saying 2022 was awesome but you had to go through all those treatments which weren't all that awesome were they i've been dealing with back issues since 2001 uh can't let it keep me down well that's a good attitude um yeah i've been dealing with back issues since uh 1981 seriously I think I first uh, first real serious back uh, problems in 1981. So it's been a long, and I, I sympathize. You know, fucking back problems are, are awful, awful. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just looking at. Uh, I'm getting. I'm getting some um, text that I don't even know what it's about. I gotta I gotta look at. The, some of this stuff later on i'm sorry i people interrupt me with text messages and stuff i get thrown off track lately i've been putting out as i mentioned earlier a lot of uh back material going through and creating some reels from past interviews and one of the guys mo gordat happiness expert has him i have to review more of this but um the idea of um mathematical formulas for happiness and there's a a actual uh scientific method for making yourself more happy that is very interesting to me and i remember when i did the interview i planned i absolutely had in my head that i was going to commit to this and learn more about it and of course the next day i had another interview and another interview and forgot all about it until now going back and doing the reels and i'm thinking wow this is really interesting shit how could i have let myself just uh not follow up on that and that's what that's what we do isn't it that's why that's why we're coming back to the new year's resolutions thing. that's why the gyms will be packed in january and empty in february <laughs> because that's human nature we're we're inspired in the moment, but the follow-up and the follow-through is not always uh, not always done, not always adhered to. Mike, good morning, Mike. Random, uh, did you see David Lee Roth? Uh, David Lee Roth released a bunch of redone Van Halen classics. No, I did not see that. And you say horrible? I don't know. Uh, what what would make them horrible? Uh, why? I mean, was it remixed with not selling? I don't what would be horrible about that. I like Diamond Dave. Um, he's an interesting character, really smart guy. Most people would wait, he's just, he's just a goofy stoner. No, I think he's a really intelligent guy. Uh and I did not know. Uh, that he was a paramedic, a volunteer paramedic in New York City for a while. While he was in Van Halen, while he was at the top of his career, he was working in ambulances, volunteering. And there was a story about a guy who had a heart attack and woke up in the back of the ambulance and David Lee Roth was uh, standing over him. And the guy was like, what the fuck is this? What kind of, this is the weirdest kind of death I ever <laughs> uh imagined. Um what is it? A re-recorded with a new band. Oh, Johnny Five on guitar. I don't know Johnny Five. 
I'm culturally unhip. Do you forget these things? Johnny Five? Johnny Five on a guitar. Guitar. <laughs> You're taking the Matt Nabo course in typing. Uh, well, I guess that, that would be bad. That could be bad. Um, that's interesting that he's co- he's covering Van Halen material. Interesting. Isn't Wolfgang doing that too now? Uh, Eddie's son. I don't know. But coming back to the reels and the happiness thing, I want to follow up on that. One of the interesting reels uh, that I've been, well, a couple of them now. Um, one guy who was a, he was his proud of the fact that he ruined Atari by introducing the E.T. Uh, game to Atari, which was spelled doom for the company. And he became a psychotherapist. And we're talking about the similarities between, the commonality between video game programming and psychotherapy and talking about systems analysis. And basically, computers or humans are complex systems. And getting to the bottom of troubleshooting is very similar machine to human being. And that kind of led me down the whole AI thing again and, uh, you know, the simulation theory or hypothesis anyway, uh, all that kind of talk. Uh, Very cool stuff and very, it gives you a lot to think about. Um, But he was talking about, one of the things that he, he mentioned is as a therapist, he can ask what kind of games you like, and that says a lot about your personality. And we were talking about the types of games, because me, I'm stuck in 1979, 1978, 1979, Space Invaders and uh, Asteroids, the blow up games, and then they wipe the screen uh, clear and you start over again. And it's just about getting a new high score. Can you do better than you did last time? Which is very different from the games of today, which are mostly quest-based games. You have a mission to complete. And to me, because, you know, there's there's a couple of things here. The mission to complete, does that mean when you, whatever that mission is, whether to save the princess or whatever the fuck it is, (laughs) once you complete that game, it's useless to you. You never need to play the game again. In my view, this is how I would look at it. Like, I've done that. I've completed the test successfully. I graduated high school. <laughs> I don't need to go back to high school. That's basically the way I look at it. The other thing is with the games with the high scores, like the the games that I used to play when I was young and the only games I can relate to, really, are these, you know, kill the bad, rows of bad guys coming down, you kill them all and you get the next screen and you do it again, you do it again. But at some place, there's an existential denial of death because you know for certain you're going to die at the end of that game. I mean, there's no way out. There's no completing that game without, there's no completing it. There's no place you get to to say you're done. You just keep killing them and they keep making more and they keep coming at you. And so you're kind of denying the fact, the reality that sooner or later you will die. And then you do die and you just put in another quarter and you start over again. And there's kind of this whole, I don't know if it's morbid way of thinking about it or if it's a just a denial way of thinking about it to think there is no death. There is, and there, there's no reason no purpose behind anything you do. Life is just trying to do better than you did last time. It's a whole different psychology than the quest thing where you complete something. Now, do you do it again? Do you feel the need to do it again? And what that says about your personality, what kind of games you like, Mortal Kombat, you know, those, you know, uh, what's the other... Um, Grand Theft Auto. What does that say about your personality, that that's the game you like? 
And so that, that was an interesting talk. The other one was, and I'm coming back to a very recent one, uh, was Brian J. Mora, who was a intelligence officer in the Russian theater, in the Asian theater, in the early 1980s, throughout his whole career, but particularly in the early 1980s, during the Reagan years, when um, there were lots of things going on. Cold War was going on. Lots of things that were going on that we never even knew about. One of them, the book he wrote is called The Able Archers. It's about the closest we've ever come to being a full-scale nuclear war with the Soviet Union. And it was close. It was really close. And none of us ever knew about it at the time. If you're old enough to remember uh, September 1st of 1983, when the Korean Airlines jet 007 was accused of being a spy plane by Russia and shot down over Sakhalin Peninsula, which is near Japan, um, they were they were way off course. Now, they said it was an accident that the plane was way off course. Russia said, no, it was intentional. We were spying on them. And if you look at all, if you take in all of the facts going back to May of 1981, uh, it certainly looked like Ronald Reagan might have been a fucking Fruit Loops guy who was trying to provoke <laughs> nuclear war thinking we could win. It certainly, you, you could make a case for that. I think I didn't make a case for that, and Brian didn't dismiss it. And again, he's a, he's a guy who was at right on, the, he had his finger on the pulse of all the stuff while it was going on. And um, let's, let's see, uh, Kevin says, I saw a documentary on this, and the biggest theory was navigation autopilot mistakes. Uh, that was... I don't know if that's a theory. That is the line that America put out. And since then, there have been uh, changes to the way flights out of Anchorage, Alaska, uh, employ autopilot. No doubt about it. That was the United States part. But if you take it... Now, my, my doubts about that being a spy plane. It's like, why would we use a South Korean airliner to spy? If we're going to send spy planes over Russia, why wouldn't we send real spy planes that, you know, supersonic spy planes that uh, could get what the information they needed and get out of there without getting shot down? Why would we risk something that's not even a, a United States, uh, although there were there were American citizens on the plane, why would we risk a South Korean airliner for United States spying? So I, I tend to think the Russian line about it being a spy plane was incorrect. But if you take all of it into account, going back to 1981 uh, and all everything that was involved in the Able Archers uh, war games operations that were going on off of uh, Japan at the time that made Russia really nervous. You take it all into account, and it certainly looks like the United States was trying to provoke nuclear conflict with Russia. And Brian goes into this whole idea with the Soviet Union, which, of course, Russia was a big part of. Uh, Brian goes into this whole idea, mirror imaging. In other words, um, thinking that the other side thinks like us. Because at the same time, we were putting new nuclear weapons in uh, Germany, uh, which would had the capability, Germany and Poland, I believe, the capability of reaching Moscow in three minutes. They didn't have the warning time to actually respond. Uh, and at the same time, there were things going on in North Dakota at, at uh, nuclear silos that scared the shit out of Russia. And and Dropov and Brezhnev started um, a program called, uh, well, 
it was a Russian call uh, program, but Americanized version of it sounds like Operation Ryan. And basically, was it, they were looking for America. They were convinced America was going to launch a first strike. And so they were doing everything they could to prove that one was imminent so that they could launch a first strike in re- in not in retaliation, but, you know, um, preventative strike. And that's when uh, in March of 83, Reagan came out with two. He had two speeches within two weeks. First one, he called uh, Soviet Union the evil empire. I think anybody who's old enough will remember that. Called them out as the evil empire. And then two weeks later, came out and uh, announced the Star Wars SDI initiative that basically he claimed would put an umbrella <laughs> and a, a shield over the United States of America that would prevent any Russian missiles from getting in. And a lot of Russians and, and Soviet uh, in military intelligence believed it. Reagan, he sold it to him that this idea that we can block your missiles and we can fucking bomb you to annihilation. And so with all that going on and they believed that we were on a first strike, we kept doing things to make them think that we were. We were all launching, launching new operations, uh, putting new missiles over there close to them. Um, and there was uh, an accident. <laughs> It seems like something I would do. Some guy working in a, uh, a missile silo in North Dakota dropped a monkey wrench on his way out of the missile silo. Dropped a, a monkey wrench fell, <laughs> fell off his uh, tool belt, went down and hit a trigger uh, for a nuclear missile, to, which set it off the launch codes, and then all the um, sensors for the other silos, picked up on that and thought, well, it's time to launch and started opening silo doors. And Russia could see that they had, you know, they had satellite imagery of it and they knew that silo doors were opening. What's going on? Looks like first strike is coming. All of this was kept secret from the American people for decades and decades. It wasn't until 2017 that we started to drip some of it out. What were you doing in in, um, November of 1983? Do you remember? You certainly weren't uh, thinking the world was coming to an end that, you know, could have come to an end suddenly without you even knowing about it. Just going to be alive, listening to Van Halen, whatever you were doing. Now, there were people who were nervous about nuclear war at that time, but we had been for a good 20 years, the Cold War, or 30 years, Cold War was real, and there were heightened tensions and thoughts about that all the time. Uh, William says pooping in his diaper. Uh, and he was only 30 at the time. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. Forgive me. Um, but so th- these are interesting reels. And, you know, Maybe not to some people who didn't live through it because it didn't happen. Like, why do we even discuss it now? Well, it's important to discuss it now because this mirror imaging thinking is still a part of military intelligence. And we still treat situations like, well, the other guy must think like we do. Well, not so. And we're guilty of this. I know I'm guilty of it. Like, why would Putin uh, launch a military strike? Uh, a strike? He'd have to know that we would strike. No, he doesn't have to know anything. He doesn't have to think like us. He could. He thinks like he thinks, not like we think. But there's a danger in that, and it still goes on. This presumption that the other guy thinks like we think. And so he would never... You don't know. You don't know what's going on in his mind. Um, So we're at a place where the past is important to learn from 
and I don't think enough people are really taking it seriously enough or or thinking in those terms. Like, wh- what do we learn from the past to apply to what's going on today? Interesting stuff to me. I don't know if it's interesting to everybody else. Uh, I have, because I did so many fucking reels over the weekend. <laughs> I'm real crazy. I have them scheduled coming out like every hour and stuff on shorts, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere where you have these short one-minute videos. And some of them are doing very well and others not so well. And it's surprising to me to see the ones that are doing well because not all of them are, are great because I'm looking over this. And I was just thinking, the reason I went down this rabbit hole of uh, creating one-minute videos from all my past stuff, I have 1,200 interviews, some of them two hours long, some of them, most of them an hour or an hour and 10 minutes long or thereabouts, Uh, some of them as long as three hours. And minutes... What you know that means sixty minutes. If you can get sixty minutes out of each one, which is unlikely, if you get twenty solid minutes out of each one, you're really lucky, actually. Uh, but that's a lot of content and boost the channel views up and all that kind of stuff. So that's why my thinking of why I'm doing this. But some of them, obviously, without a lot of context seem kind of like, well, so what? And I'm surprised to see that some of those ones that don't have a lot of context that seem like so what are getting bigger numbers uh, than other stuff. Now, these reels, if you think about this now, 1,200 interviews, that's at least 1,200 hours. It's more than 1,200 hours because, as I mentioned, a lot of them are two hours. And, but we'll just say for rock bottom, an hour each. And that's very conservative. Uh, 1,200 hours divided by 20, 20 minutes each, or times 20, 20, 20 reels each one, uh, times an average of 3,000 views. That's a lot of views on YouTube <laughs> and on TikTok and uh, Facebook and Instagram and all that. A lot, of, a lot of traffic. Um, you'll have to let us know how the the well. It it cha- it does in a in a few ways. First of all, it encourages YouTube to push your channel up in the recommendations. Uh, the more traffic you get, the more YouTube loves you. The more they push you out in recommendations. So uh, that's it. Definitely changes you. I I went from nine thousand subscribers to ten thousand two hundred subscribers in two weeks. That's a big big change especially if you know how long i've been working at getting to ten thousand. that two week period where i got 1200 new subscribers and still growing uh is all because of the reel so it definitely does push more people to your channel make them subscribe and then they see the new stuff that is being pushed whether it's long form not doing so well on the live streams to be honest with you we are falling off on the live streams I think that has a lot to do with uh, YouTube introducing the shorts in the last six months and people just not interested in longer form content and they they become less interested in, you see the, the time on something that says an hour and 15 minutes unless it's Joe Rogan. <laughs> and even Rogan's not on YouTube, right, with the long, long form stuff anymore. Uh, so there's that. Uh, any regrets I didn't do it sooner? I don't, there probably would be if I gave it much thought, but no, you can only, you know, started it when you started it, you know, life began when it began. Yeah. I, I regret not being born in 1930. So I would have been, or 35. So I would have been 20 in 1955. That would have been cool. That's what I regret. I mean, I could go down that rabbit hole of regret forever. 
your interviews are great. Your content is engaging. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, I wish more people thought like you do, except for the nicey nice shit that you bring to the table. But uh, I wish more people thought like you do in that regard. Um, anyway, uh, so there's a lot of good stuff now. So it's all over the map. I had um, Ron Moorhead, Bigfoot, quantum Bigfoot guy. And he, he's he been studying Bigfoot since 1971, claims to have had a sighting, but plenty of audio contact with the auditorial contact, uh, contact with them. Uh, claims that we are the missing link. Bigfoot is more advanced than us. In other words, we've been thinking of Bigfoot. Maybe I'm paraphrasing him wrong. We've been thinking of Bigfoot as a possible missing link to our past. And his theory is the other way around. Bigfoot, we are the missing link to, to the future. And Bigfoot is what we're evolving into. Bigfoot, and I wanted to refer him to Mitch Hedberg. Because he claims that the reason Bigfoot is blurry is because every time we see them, they're crossing over into uh, a different dimension. We see them as they are going through a portal in whether it's a different dimension in time, and space, whatever it is. And that's why, you know, it sounds a little headbergish. The reason we don't get <laughs> good, clear pictures of Bigfoot is the he actually is blurry um but then he ties it into uh the bible the nephilim uh aliens and all and you know he said several times aliens are here that's absolute a fact and i was like that's not an absolute fact i mean i guess if whatever you believe is an absolute fact to you but i as much as I believe that it would be highly unlikely for humans to be the only intelligent life form in the universe, I am big time skeptical that any other ones have visited here or are here. And I've seen all the ancient alien stuff a million times, and I know a lot of people believe in that stuff. And I've seen drawings, and I've seen stuff that makes you wonder, could that have happened? But I don't, to say it's a fact, that's a stretch. Uh, uh, Ian says, Bigfoot is straight up supernatural. But what does that mean? Moorhead is legit. Um... Also heard Bigfoot can go invisible. Yeah, that that I asked him about that because I had a guy invite me to his uh, home in in uh, Northern California uh, to see Bigfoot. He claims he has them on his property, and he they're there regularly. And I was inspired, and I was like, you know what? If you actually have them there, I would come there to see them. And he. He ruined it because he said, let me send you some pictures that will blow your mind. And he sent me pictures of the woods. And I said, so what am I looking at here? Looks like I'm just looking at trees. And then he drew Bigfoot shapes on leaves and stuff and said, see, it's Bigfoot. I said, no, you're just outlining the trees with like a Sharpie. That doesn't look like Bigfoot. It looks like a child drew Bigfoot on a picture of the woods. Oh, they cloak themselves in, in, in invisibility. And I was like, so basically, you're telling me that I have to go imagine that I see them on your property. That's not actually the same as actually seeing them. Now, Moorhead uh, states that I want to make sure I, I say this right. How our perception of tones, well, I'll take it from the audio audio side first, the auditory side. Our perception of tones and what we can hear, vibrations and, and hertz and all that kind of stuff, is limited. 
human the extent of human hearing is limited. And we know this that some animals have a higher threshold of what they can perceive in hearing. Dog whistles, that's what they're all about. Some people can hear, some actual people can hear a dog whistle. I can't. I can't even hear a phone ringing. But he claims that's also true with light and visual uh, wavelengths, that humans are, most humans are limited in their ability to see all the uh, spectrums of light. And like some people can see Bigfoot, some people can't. So he makes a good case for that. And he quotes a lot of people. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot of um, respect for people like Einstein, but he does for people like Tesla and for Max Planck, uh, and people in the uh, quantum mechanics field. Um, and he talks like, but he's not a scientist. He's not. He's not a guy who can really sit down and explain to you um, what quantum mechanics is really all about at the root level. He couldn't teach it at all. He's got lots of quotes and stuff like that. Uh, is he legit? To what extent is he? What is, what does that mean, legit? I don't think he's a bad guy. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a con man. I think he believes in everything he says. Um, I'm not with him on a lot of that stuff. The Bigfoot crossing over into dimensions uh, other dimensions <laughs> because of the, some of the questions I would ask him and he, he, questions like if we're evolving into Bigfoot why does it <laughs> I even because it does seem odd to even say that but so if we evolve and he, he agrees that evolution is a real thing right so we evolve from Hairier humanoids, you, you know, you, Homo sapiens uh, evolved from a chain of beings that were had more hair than this guy, and now we've lost our hair because we don't need it anymore. We built shelters and things like this. Now we're going to evolve back into a big, hairy, smelly beast that, because they do smell, according to many, many reports, eyewitnesses, skunk ape, things like that. And I brought that up. Um, so that's what we're evolving back into. Once, from, from what, from what we once were, to going back into that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense from an evolutionary standpoint. I'm an hour in, and I got to run. I've been talking here. Uh, Jake, good morning, Jake. Jake says his wife often calls him the skunk ape. Uh, I can see that. Anyway, uh, what does Kevin say? I got to run, man. Usually most of us see three nanometer, 380 to 700 nanometer wavelengths. Um, green color is about the middle. What does that have to do with with, uh, with Bigfoot? Green Bigfoot's not green. <laughs> is he? I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting describe. Uh, it's interesting. They describe autism with the word spectrum now, isn't it? I think that's a stretch, Mike. <laughs> I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a. Uh, I don't know where you're going with that, but are you say, saying that uh, people on autism on the autism spectrum uh, have different perceptions than other people? I don't know. We'll continue this discussion. I'll be back tomorrow with more. I don't have a guest lined up this week. I might. I might before the end of the week. Um, but I have no plans right now and I'm busy day today. I have to go to a shoot as I mentioned. So I'm off for now. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for coming and putting up with me. Maybe, uh, there'll be some big revelations in, in, uh, news, uh, today. Keep an eye out for some of that stuff. Um, and, uh, I'll be back at you tomorrow. What am I going to play here? I'm not going to play turn on your radio. Am I, do I have to? I should play something a little bit different, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I? Uh, I don't have anything different to play. Um, all right, I'll play this one.
mathematics. Quantum physics only hurts my brain. I don't know about the hole in the ozone. I don't know about acid rain. I'm confounded by the mysteries of living. There's a lot that I can figure out. I don't know about the ways of religion. Took my faith and turned it into doubt. But I know I love you. I got a heart that tells me so. Yes, I do. Well, I don't know much, but I know what I know. I don't know about higher education. Kind of wish I would have stayed in school. Can't say focus and I lose my concentration. Never learned about the golden rule. Shit confusion is my logical conclusion. Thinking hard is just a waste of time. Is it a miracle or optical illusion? I only know that it blows my mind. I don't know about Jesus. I know all about rock and roll. Yes, it's true. Well, I don't know much. But I know what I know. You know I 